Hello, this is Helga Edwards, and I'm here with my husband, Bob. Today, we will be reading Genesis chapter 27, verses 1 to 45, from the International Standard Version of the Bible, beginning at verse 1. Eventually, Isaac grew so old that he could not see. One day, he called his eldest son Esau. My son, he called out to him, look how old I am. I could die any day now. So go find your weapons take your bow and arrows, go outside and hunt some game for me. Then prepare some food just the way I like it, and bring it to me so that I can eat it and bless you before I die. Now Rebekah overheard Isaac while he was speaking to his son Esau. When Esau had gone out to the field to hunt and bring in some game, Rebekah gave these instructions to her son Jacob. Quick, pay attention, she said. I heard your father talking to your brother Esau. He told him, bring me some game and then prepare some food for me so that I can eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before I die. So now, my son, listen to what I have to say and pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. Go to the flock and bring me two healthy young goats. I'll prepare some delicious food for your father just the way he loves it. Then you are to take it to your father so that he can eat and bless you before he dies. But look, Jacob pointed out to his mother Rebekah, my brother Esau is a hairy man, but I'm smooth-skinned. My father might touch me and he'll realize that I'm deceiving him. Then I'll bring a curse on myself instead of a blessing. My son, she replied, let any curse against you fall on me. Just listen to me, then go and get them for me. So he went out, got them, and brought them to his mother, who then prepared some delicious food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took some garments that belonged to her elder son Esau, the best ones available, and put them on her younger son Jacob. She put some goat skins over his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she handed the delicious food and bread that she had prepared to her son Jacob who went to his father and said, My father. It's me, he replied. Which one are you, my son? I'm Esau, your firstborn, Jacob told his father. I've done what you asked, so please sit up and eat what I caught so you can bless me. How did you get it so quickly, my son? Isaac asked. Jacob responded, Because the Lord your God made me successful. So Isaac told Jacob, Come here, my son, so I can feel you and know for sure whether or not you're my son Esau. So Jacob approached his father, who felt him and said, It's Jacob's voice, but Esau's hands. He didn't recognize Jacob because his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So Isaac blessed him. He asked, Are you really my son Esau? I am, Jacob replied. Come closer to me, Isaac replied, so I can eat some of the game, my son, and then bless you. So Jacob came closer and Isaac ate. Jacob also brought wine so his father could drink. After this, Jacob's father Isaac told him, Come closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob drew closer to kiss him. When Isaac smelled the scent of his son Esau's clothes, he blessed him and said, How my son's scent is the fragrance of the field that the Lord has blessed. May the Lord grant you dew from the skies and from the fertile land. May he grant you abundant grain and fresh wine. May people serve and bow before you. 
May you be master over your brothers. May your mother's sons bow before you. May anyone who curses you be cursed, and may anyone who blesses you be blessed. Just after Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had left his father Isaac, Jacob's brother Esau returned from hunting, prepared some delicious food, brought it to his father, and told him, Can you get up now, father, so you may eat some of your son's game and then bless me? But his father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I'm Esau, your firstborn son, he answered. At this, Isaac began to tremble violently. Who then, he asked, hunted some game and brought it to me to eat before you arrived, so that I've blessed him. Indeed, he is blessed. When Esau realized what his father Isaac was saying, he began to wail out loud bitterly. Bless me, he cried, even me too, my father. Isaac replied, your brother came here deceitfully and stole your blessing. Then he said, Isn't his name rightly called Jacob? Esau asked, He has circumvented me this second time. First, he took away my birthright, and now, look, he has also stole my blessing. Then he added, Haven't you reserved a blessing for me? In response, Isaac told Esau, Look, I've predicted that he's going to become your master and I've assigned all his brothers to be his servants. What then can I do for you, my son? Then Esau implored his father, Don't you have even one blessing for me, my father? Bless me, even me too, my father. Then Esau lifted his voice and wept bitterly. At this his father Isaac replied to him, Look, away from the fertile land you will be dwelling, away from the dew of the skies above. By your sword you'll live, and you'll serve your brother. But when you've become restless, you'll break off his yoke from your neck. So Esau harbored animosity towards Jacob because of the way his father had blessed him. Esau kept saying to himself, The time to mourn my father is very near. That's when I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. Eventually, what Rebekah's older son Esau had been saying was reported to her. So she sent for her younger son Jacob and warned him, Look, your brother is planning to get even by killing you. Son, you'd better do what I say. Get up, run off to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay there with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides. After that happens and he has forgotten what you've done to him, I'll send for you so you can return from there. Why should I be bereaved of you both in one day? Here ends our reading of Genesis chapter 27, verses 1 to 45. According to the culture of the day, Esau was entitled to a special blessing from his father because he was the firstborn son. Esau also possessed attributes and engaged in activities that were culturally associated with masculinity. In short, he was a manly man. He was manly because he liked to hunt wild game. He was also manly because he was covered in hair. According to Rabbi Zev Farber, a man's hairiness, especially his beard, was viewed as the prized symbol of manhood. Michael Silber, a Hebrew University professor who has researched beards, said that in some Orthodox Jewish communities, beards are considered to be a channel of divinity connecting them to God. 
Jacob, in comparison to Esau, was viewed by his father in a less favorable light. He was smooth-skinned, as opposed to hairy, and according to Genesis 25, verse 27, he was a quiet man who stayed at home. According to the cultural standards of the day, Esau was a natural-born leader. His younger brother Jacob was not. Unfortunately, early patriarchal theologians in the church had a similar cultural mindset. They believed that manly men were natural-born leaders. They thought specifically that being hairy was a sign of both superiority and leadership. Here are the comments of an early 3rd century theologian, Clement of Alexandria, to that effect. His beard, then, is the badge of a man, and shows him unmistakably to be a man. It is older than Eve, and is the symbol of the stronger nature. By God's decree, hairiness is one of man's conspicuous qualities, and that that is distributed over his whole body. Whatever smoothness or softness there was in him, God took from him when he fashioned the delicate Eve from his side, to be the receptacle of his seed, his helpmate, both in procreation and in the management of the home. What was left, remember, he had lost all trace of hairlessness, was manhood, and reveals that manhood. His characteristic is action, hers, passivity. For what is hairy is by nature drier and warmer than what is bare. Therefore, the male is hairier and more warm-blooded than the female, the uncastrated than the castrated, the mature than the immature. Thus, it is sacrilege to trifle with the symbol of manhood, the beard. And that again is Clement of Alexandria in Pedagogus, Book 3, Chapter 3, Paragraph 3. Clement viewed being hairy as a sign from God that men were meant to take an active leadership role in relationships, while women were meant to function as their passive assistants. In his mind, having less body hair meant that God had ordained women to bear children and work in the home. Clement also believed that men were more warm-blooded than women, whom he described as castrated and immature. While this thinking certainly reflected the cultural norms of the Roman Empire, it had absolutely nothing to do with the will of God. In fact, the Bible tells us that God does not look at a person's physical characteristics when he's looking at candidates for leadership. When God did not choose a man's oldest son to be king of Israel, this is what God said. Quote, have no regard for his appearance or stature, because I haven't selected him. God doesn't look at things like humans do. Humans see only what is visible to the eyes, but the Lord sees into the heart. End quote. We find that in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. God is not interested in whether a person has more or less body hair. He is not interested in whether a person is male or female, when he's looking for someone to lead or teach his people. God chose David, a man's youngest son, to be king over Israel. He chose a woman named Deborah to be a leader, judge, and prophet. God also chose Jacob and his descendants, rather than Esau, to inherit the land he had promised to Abraham and Isaac. Why? 
because God, quote, sees into the heart, unquote. As we highlighted in a previous podcast, Esau and the leaders of Edom, Esau's descendants, developed a tendency to trust in their own strength rather than looking to God as their refuge. In their pride and self-reliance, they also became violent. Jacob did not choose this path. After deceiving Isaac and receiving the blessing intended for Esau, Jacob fled from his homeland. As a wandering fugitive, he called out to God, and God answered. Jacob acknowledged his faults and clung to God as his only hope for redemption. For this, God blessed him. And we can read that story in Genesis chapter 32. God is not looking for manly men to be leaders in his kingdom. He does not value what the world considers strong. In fact, the Bible tells us that God often chooses what the world considers weak to demonstrate that people need to find their strength in him. The Apostle Paul explains this in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 through 30, which read, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom of God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Paul also reminds the church in Galatia that there is no male and female, for we are all one in Christ. God is not interested in masculine strength. He is looking for women and men to lead by their example of faith, humility, and Christ-like love.